What is up everybody and welcome back. Matt Browse of Pohada Photography. This of course is the Pohada Podcast. A show where we talk about jujitsu as well as real life and a bunch of the stuff in between. Very often I sit down and I chat with jujitsu black belts, people who've put in the 10 to 15 years to get to that level and get their take on jujitsu and life and very often everything in between. This time around, I've got a twofer, Mr. Andrew Benzik and Mr. Topher Braddock of Akagi Jiu-Jitsu in Bloomington, Minnesota. They've both been at it a good long time and they've both been running a gym for a few years. They've also got a good number of insights on life for us. Without further ado, Topher Braddock and Andrew Benzik. This is not my first time doing two black belts at once. Gross. But it is my first time <laughs> without a woman in the room, yeah. I think. You boys are black belts, huh? Mm-hmm. I want to hear both stories. All right. I'm trying oh, to be top or bottom. Huh? Because his name is Top. Topper? Yeah. Pretty sure he's top. Yeah. Uh, who's been doing it longest? Ooh. 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 20 years, bro. Yeah. 20 yeah. plus years. You? I started in 2001. Why? Sarasota, Florida. Well, the ooh came because who's higher, higher ranked? Yeah. That's not a question. Yeah. But it's also not a question that I'm a slow learner and I've so been doing it longer. Um, I had just had a kid. I was working a Renaissance festival and had a, like, recently got married, had an infant kid, and was feeling all these feelings that a lot of the fathers feel about somebody fucks with my family. And the site crew partner that I had at that show was this dude, Frank Kermsey, who was an MMA fighter and older than me and could outwork me. And I'd never met anyone in my life that could outwork me. And it was easy for him to outwork me. It like pissed me off. Like I was early twenties and this dude could just work. And so one day I asked him, like we'd been doing the work for a couple of weeks and he had a kid a couple years older than me and seemed really comfortable. And I was just like, what do you, what do, you do with those feelings? And he's like, jujitsu, come with me and train. So I started training while I was in Florida in 2001. And then when I came back to Minnesota in April of 2001, I started training here. Where'd you start here? The Warrior's Cope. Um, the, what like level would you have been at? Was that just a few months later then? Yep, I was just a couple months in. Yeah. And it was a long drive for me. I had a family, I had a full-time job. So I've never been that dude that gets to train every day. Um, at least, especially at the beginning. I had to work hard to get in twice a week. And I was one of those white belts that struggled. I was frustrated as hell and wanted to quit every time I left the gym. Nothing had ever been hard for me. Like skateboarding was easy for me. Soccer was easy for me. Basketball was easy for me. It's the first a, thing that was hard for me. And it a beard fucking pissed me off. It was easy for you? It is easy yeah. for me. <laughs> not, a, not everybody can say that. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. See this? Mm-hmm. Sorry. You brought it up. <laughs> I did. You're on camera. It's true. They're all looking at him right now going like, I wonder how long he's been trying that out. This is like, That's like two this, days. For this is like a month. I don't grow a beard very well either. It looks, Once I, I got it, it, I got to keep it. And it's, it. she's a little scraggly anyhow, you know. If I were to shave it, it'd be like, fuck, there's a year till I can <laughs> feel okay about it. Got it. It's like two on two. No beard and beard. That. I'll take the beard crew any day. There's the episode title. There you go. <laughs> I'll take the beard crew any day. Keep going. Tell me the story. Well, um, after I'd been there a couple years, I started like assisting, helping out, and started to actually find passion in helping other people do jujitsu. Mm-hmm. And when I started teaching, uh, I really had to come into my own. Um, and then I ended up teaching there full time from 2005 to 2011, um, where it was actually my full gig seven days a week hardly ever got a day off in that six years um and was that a bit of a like a dream stage like cool man i love this jujitsu stuff now i'm teaching jujitsu it's my full-time gig even despite Um, the rigor no because it never was a thing that i thought i wanted to do every day i just got the opportunity so it was one of those things that i took seriously as as a a task Mm -hmm. like i wasn't trying to coast i was trying to get better at teaching and um the culture was more Wild West back then. Like, people challenged you all the time, like, on the mat and off. Like, your status, how much you know, 
Like you walk into a class and motherfuckers are like, why the fuck am I learning from you? So like you got to prove that you know your shit. And then in 2011, I had a falling out with the owner of the school and I quit. I quit jujitsu. Like I, Oh, you didn't just quit the job or working at that gym. You no, quit I was, the whole thing. I was angry. I was bitter. I was burned out. Uh, I was going through some other serious life changes, getting divorced. Um, and I quit. Like, I still trained solo stuff. I still trained martial arts. I did a lot of striking at that school. And I still train. Um, but, I, but my mentality was not a martial arts mentality where I'm always trying to learn. Uh, and then in 2013, I started training again at Kali Group. Uh, and immediately it was just joy to be on the mat again. And at first I just wanted to roll, knock the rust off. And then when I was around there for a while, then I started getting interested in pursuing rank again and helping other people learn. So eventually I started teaching there. I mean, that's where we met. Um, and then after being there for some years, we started talking about opening our own joint and we opened our own joint in 2018, March. So we're coming up on four years of having our joint. What's that joint called? Akagi. The, <laughs> the fuck does that mean, by the way? What's Akagi? It's a Japanese word. It's got a number of meanings. The one that I'm most uh, jazzed about is red house or red tree. So like, it's my house. It's the house that I help protect and it's the house that protects me. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just a, it's a unique word. So like even the t-shirt logo like pops. Yeah. Something you could that patch you could see that across an entire gym and you'd know where somebody trains. Right. But red tree or red house. Where's it at? Since we're on the topic. 90 what the 9051 Lindell? It's 90th and Lin, Lindell in Bloomington. Yeah. Bloomington Jiu-Jitsu, I would forget. Mm -hmm. Despite the obvious how do you forget that? But like when I saw Akagi, I was like I don't know what that... Am I saying it right? I don't even know, but I remember it now. So, mm -hmm. good marketing. <laughs> cool. I mean, that's him. <laughs> good marketing. Thanks. <laughs> that's an easy story. I feel like I there's more to that. Yeah, man. Where there, there was no grit. There's no blood. There's no tears. I mean, there was lots. What was good about it? What was bad about it? What sucked? The jujitsu was the best part. I mean, I operate on the principles in my daily life all the time learning to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, not walking away from something because it's hard. Um, I've gone through a lot of things in my life and I would not be alive and I would not be who I am if I didn't have jujitsu. Um, but it helps you be a better person. It helps you be a better father. helps you be a better partner. just helps you live life better. So along the way, there was lots of blood. There was lots of grit. There was lots of difficulty. Um, but... If you just keep getting up, right? Fall down six times, stand up seven. I mean, that's what this is. Down six, up seven. Just never fucking quit. Mm -hmm. You know? And, I mean, anybody who's in their 40s has had enough, like, being cut off at the knee. Like Pauly. Um, so, it's, are you not? No, man. I'm oh, a, so. I'm a kid. He's the old Fuck the beard youngster. Yeah. <laughs> the, like, kids and the adults. Um, How old are you? 36? Oh, okay. So you're, you're growing up. A few years, you'll be growing up. Mm. Um, but no, any, anybody who's lived into yeah. their 40s has had enough life stuff that you've had all kinds of opportunities to just quit at life. And I've had moments where I wanted to. Um, but the jiu-jitsu has always been there to guide me to where I want to be making good personal decisions. I want to take care of myself. I want to take care of my homies. And I want to embrace the grind. Jiu-Jitsu is learning the skill or reminding yourself to not quit. Not quit. That anything worth doing is going to be hard and that it's a solo journey, but we do it together. We do it as a family. I, dig it. I mean, our family is everything to me. Our Jiu-Jitsu family, what we've built, is everything to me. I dig it. What about you? Hmm. Your black belt? Yeah. A first degree black belt. Yeah, just like karate. Just like karate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> When'd you start? Oh, I don't I lose track, man. I don't even know. I think two thousand seven. I'm not sure. Um Yeah. I, I lose track of time. So I, I'd say two thousand seven, two thousand eight, somewhere in that range. Where? Uh 
the Collie Group, Minnesota Collie so Group. That was your that was your first gym. Huh? Yeah, so I was uh, a dad. Um, I uh, did a few different jobs, but I was working at the Star Tribune at the time, and I uh, had worked nights, ten at night till five thirty in the morning for eleven years. Um, Bro, yeah, ridic- that's fucking gross. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, you do what you got to do, right? Yeah. yeah, it was something interesting about waiting at the liquor store to open to get your drink for the evening. Because for you, that's night. That was kind of weird. The like interesting crew standing there, like, oh, let's <laughs> open up. I'm trying to get messed up. I just got off work. It was 11 a.m. Yeah, I forget what it was. I think, it was, I think they opened at like nine. Yeah, some of them opened early. Yeah, I'm at the, the liquor store. I'm thinking of it actually got burned down. It's the one right across the street from the third precinct. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that's yeah. where I was. Standing in line with the other cool cats. All the overnight workers. All the overnight workers. They were all overnight all workers. Called them cool cats. Yeah. Cool cats. Cool cats who have no life. No <laughs> life. Or they work nights. And they're really working awesome. nights. Everybody's yeah. working nights. Everybody's good. They're in a good spot. Eleven in the morning, bro. So it was this interesting time for me uh, doing working nights, and I was getting out of shape, eating McDonald's or fast food three times a day, uh, being a dad, watching the UFC every weekend, working nights. Um, like that, I had weekends off, union job, so always had the weekends off. And me and my buddy, we'd throw half at it, and we watched every UFC. Um, so it was a big passion for us that sport. And at the time, you know, Forrest Griffin, uh, Stephen Bonner, that that time, right? Still the best match. It was pretty good stuff. Um, but you had the people a lot of time. You had a lot of booing when it got to the ground, right? Yeah, at, yeah. That time in jiu-jitsu. It, it wasn't pretty, and nobody knew anything in right. the crowd, but it was still the best fucking match. It was fun. I enjoyed it. And I knew everybody's name. You know, you, you, I was all in. Um, but I started, like, getting intrigued by the ground stuff. And people were booing. I'm like, why are they booing? This stuff's cool. And eventually, like, just, I don't know, maybe I was tired of being out of shape and drinking too much per waiting for the liquor store to open. <laughs> um, I decided to email a few schools. I even emailed the Cove. Um, I emailed the Collie Group, and the Collie Group was one of the ones that emailed me back. So if you're running a gym, email people back. You miss out on lifelong members if you yeah. hesitate on that. Um, if you're in a business, right, like, respond. They responded, and, and so I went there. and Take I my money. Fell in love with jiu-jitsu, and I, hadn't, I didn't miss a week, I don't think, since, you know, outside of, you know, tragedy um sure. and so um yeah i just showed up and the blue belt was there to teach and that's all we had and i just loved it and kept going and um that was um how i got started and then um i just my brain started clicking on it i um realized that this is what i liked and i realized that i liked that it was keeping me in shape so i cut out sugar cut out fast food um within six months of training i decided <coughs> i wanted to try a competition Went, got second place, felt pretty good about myself, um, decided to really go all in on it and change the way I lived to start doing jiu-jitsu. My second tournament was during my divorce, and I lost every match, which is a little bit of a different experience. The woman that's divorcing you was filming you lose. <laughs> that was pretty exciting. <laughs> you still have that video? Brutal. Oh, I have it somewhere, yeah. Anyway. I'd be down for the commentary <laughs> happening behind the camera on that video. You feel a little defeated when you're leaving that yeah, one. Yeah, for sure. That's not why you signed up that day, for sure. No, no, no. But Never. I decided I would do it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then shortly after that, I went and got my uh, blue belt. You know, the jujitsu is all about you know learning and getting better. Losing that match or your round or that tournament is no big deal, right? In the grand scheme of things, I'm trying to get right. good. Um. So I got uh my uh. Blue belt uh, from Luis Paul Harris. I showed up at a, a, a Midwest Center for Movement, Mike Ellison's gym, mm-hmm. and they had Luis Paul Harris out, and he was testing people. He'd never met me before in my life, and he watched me do a few things and said I deserved to wear a blue belt with his name on it. And For me, that was kind of what jiu-jitsu was. We didn't have black belts at that school. <clears throat> we just had blue belts, and so you rarely saw a purple belt, you know, so... I kind of got my first taste in what it's like to move up the ranks through that kind of experience. Yeah. It's it's actually, the, it's been a multiple referenced thing of, if you go back enough years, like the blue belt was the bad motherfucker in the room. Right. Or at least the teacher of the class, you know, and it's a cool element of what will eventually be the lore of it all. Yeah. Like the purple belts were a mythical thing. For that, sure, like, right. Came into town, you know. Or the that, first time I felt like real jujitsu, it was uh, Tim Blackstone, which is now... 
He's a black belt, mm-hmm. well known in the area. I was gonna say an alliance black belt, but I think that changed recently. Yeah, I think he just opened a new gym. Yeah, I know he it's opened a, a new gym. Rebel, Rebel, Rebel Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. 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 He has not responded to my Ooh. inquiry about sitting down for the podcast. I don't know him well, but he came <laughs> into the Kali group to train with Brady, and I forget Brady's last name, but he's also a black belt now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember being in his guard, and I was a white belt, and I knew he was gonna armbar me, and there was nothing I could do about it, and I was like, oh, that's real jujitsu right there and i'll never forget it um and it was just that he trains at that level and at yeah. that point in time you could feel it right yeah it was cool so you were white to black at mkg so since like i said we only had um blue belt yeah right and um and then after i started training with him for a while another blue belt came in and then another one and we became good friends training partners we traveled to train well, we had to figure out a way to get promoted, right? And right. so the Kali group kind of started the conversation, but um, one of the other people at the gym also started getting bringing Chris McCune in. Okay. And so Chris McCune would come in to do seminars, and I would always see Chris when I competed, the one that I lost every match, my <laughs> wife, or soon-to-be ex-wife, videotaping. Yeah. Um, Chris was right there. He didn't know me other than from seeing me at the gyms, but he was coaching me. Sure. So I felt this connection to him right away. He yep. was kind, caring, and he saw somebody that needed a little bit of coaching, and he was, since he was available, he was right there to do it. So I had that connection with him um, right off the bat. Um, and I always will remember that, was being at tournaments, and I was this guy that didn't really know me well, but he would reach out to try to help me because he could see I needed it. And at that time, nobody at MKG really competed, so I was going there by myself, um, sure. bringing people in to take me or, or whatever to come with. But a lot of times, I don't know how many tournaments I did just by myself. Um, anyway. Does he, did he give you your black belt eventually? So, yeah. So, yeah. he would come in and he tested me for my purple belt. Same for brown belt. And then, um, eventually, my black belt. Yeah. Sweet. My brown belt is where things start to get iffy. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, so, through all those times, I did some moving around. So, when I got my purple belt, I uh, my did get divorced and I had my two sons 100% of the time they were with me my wife that took off she didn't want a family anymore um, and so I definitely did and the kids stayed with me and she went and did her thing and so I was trying to raise two boys on my own and so I saw an opportunity when the housing market crashed to take advantage of a short sale sold my house at a loss but they were letting that happen so I moved to Shakopee and I got hooked up with Nate Kleinfield over at Next Level Combat, um, and he needed someone to run their gi program. So I was a purple belt. I taught classes, but I never ran. You know, never, it was my job to plan everything. And Chris, uh, Nate didn't say this is what we're doing. He was like, "You figure it out," um, which is fine. So I started running the gi program at Next Level Combat in Shakopee. So I was training at MKG when I could, training with uh, Chris whenever he was doing a seminar or something like that. And then I was training my own program on Tuesdays and Thursdays at Next Level Combat. And then that's when um, Nate helped. I'm not sure the mechanics behind it, but he helped Joao Tavares come from Brazil. And he took over the gi program. So one day I walk in, he's like, oh, you're fired. But you can train for free with the three-stripe black belt no shit. from Brazil. I was like, Seems oh, like a fair fucking I, trade. I took man. it. <laughs> I took it. Um, but then I had to move further away so i moved yeah. away and this is all and then i started trying to open up my own gym um and so i decided uh to, i took classes with joao for some time and then i had to move i decided it, the best bet was to move again and i met my uh now wife at the time we were dating and um we decided to make a move and um at that same time i tried to open up my own gym uh doing it myself um in uptown and um that can be it can be a hard thing to do when you don't know what the heck you're doing so many things are hard when you know what you're doing, Yeah. let alone when you don't. So I, I, I picked a spot that I don't think was the best spot, and then um, I had support, but not really the great, a great, I'm a shout out here to Patrick from Fuji. Um, he would show up. I mean, I had guys that I trained with for years that weren't showing up, but Patrick would show up to train. Tom Throtnew was another one that these guys just um, were trying to help me and also needed a place to train, and so it was like... I'll never forget them being a really good support for that, but that's just not enough to have people that yeah. want to train. You have to figure out how to run the business too. And I just didn't have that and they're doing their own lives. Right. So came to the point where the location wasn't great and I decided to pull it out. So I had all these mats that, um, 
piled up in one of my other partner's garages and um I was living far away so I was running a program in Wasika, Minnesota and um still a brown belt trying to get my own training in but figure out what I want to do I was doing it on the side and um and then um my uh son got cancer and um that's when things get really complicated from there we were um we just moved to New Ulm, Minnesota and uh he was complaining about headaches and uh, I have migraines, really bad ones, and so I kind of thought, oh shoot, maybe he's getting my migraines. And yeah. you, you Google everything, and everything yeah. says it's a migraine. Yeah. It also says it's cancer, but, but yeah. you go with the migraine because, yep. you know, my ankle hurts. I'm gonna look it up, and it'll tell me it's cancer. Yeah, yeah. But I took him in, and um, we get a I got a phone call that day. The doctor said it was a headache as well. Um, but he did a cat stand just in case, and it's the horse is not zebras thing too. Like odds are you got migraines. Yep, I mean it's common, reasonably yep. common. Mm-hmm. That, but, mm-hmm. and um, I got a phone call that night, and um, this was May first. Thanks, bro. And um, a few hours later, I got a phone call from the doctor, and he is not a call you ever want to get. And it was clear that something serious was happening, and he said there's a tumor in, in your son's head and um, we got to start making moves. And um, this was May 1st. And so I called my pediatrician actually, who I had gone to my whole life. He was also my kid's pediatrician. So he's known my whole story. And um, he right away got on the phone with somebody. And the next thing I knew, we had a scheduled operation with the best, one of the best brain surgeons on the planet. So May 4th, we were in brain surgery. Um, so the first, we moved in April 1st, May 1st to our new house. My son had a tumor and May 4th, we were operating on brain surgery. Um, there was a five centimeter tumor um, in his front of his head. Is that big? I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's gigantic. Okay. It's like uh, a... <laughs> I mean, Size. I can picture that, but I don't know. Yeah, relative yeah. to tumors. Yep. Okay. I mean, you have enough room for your brain in your head, so imagine something five centimeters in there as well. Um, and that's what was causing the headaches. And um, the brain surgeon was amazing, and he got everything, all the cancer or all the tumor. Um, and then you're in the hospital, and you're waiting, and they let you know that it's not um, benign, and it's the real deal. Then they tell you that it's the worst possible cancer you can get in your head, and he's 10. Um, and so we started radiation right away, and he um, uh, dealt with that. But that was the biggest line of defense was radiation. And um, by the time he finished his radiation and three months later, we went back in for another MRI, and he had a six-centimeter tumor in his brain. Um, and at that point, the doctors start talking to you about, let's consider not operating. Um, which to put that into perspective, you're going to let this thing grow in your child's brain until he can't live anymore. It's the worst thing on the planet. And um, so one option we had was, and it was totally <coughs> like, what's it called? Homeopathic? Is that the right word? Like outside of what the doctor was saying yeah, he needed to do alternative treatments yeah. and whatever but it was a keto diet and okay. um at the first they told us that right away from the first tumor and or when they knew it was cancer and take cake and mashed potatoes away from a 10 year old always fighting cancer you're crazy <laughs> right it's not gonna happen but then you're standing in a room with your doctor crying because she knows she's not gonna be able to help this kid and um all of a sudden sure no cake that's easy we'll do yeah, that no shit. we'll do that and um so I did it with him. We decided that we would do it together. And for him, it was hard. This kid is like an honest kid. And um, to catch him like lying so that he can have a piece of candy, fucking hard. And um, I wanted to be able to look at him in the face and um, tell him, you know, um, I'm doing this with you. And so I didn't cheat. He wasn't around. I didn't cheat. I did it just like it was life or death for me as well. And um, he didn't get tumors anymore. They thought he was going to die within months, and all of a sudden he's... No shit. He's fine. Yeah. And um, so we're in the Ronald McDonald house, right? Damn. And 
we're doing this crazy diet and um we decided that during this time that we're doing something really shitty like nothing was out of the woods it was just mris every four weeks i've had i've been in so many mris it's unbelievable um and i would sit there with them and this kid he's 10 and they usually sedate kids and he's laying there for an hour and a half having them take pictures of um some of them were an hour and a half of him having to stay still in an mri machine um and um that was our life and so we decided while we were doing this having to live in the ronald mcdonald house i mean let me get paint you a picture he was i have five children and at this time my wife was pregnant and um so uh we were uh living in the ronald mcdonald house which is a hotel room basically um with two beds and a hide bed and um a kitchenette you know and that's where all our whole family was um Shout out to the Ronald McDonald House. They saved our lives. It was a great community. We made life-lasting friends and um, supporting each other while your families are going through something horrible. And a lot of it was like heart babies. So you meet these people with families and their they're, they're small ones are trying to you know fight for their lives. And people would volunteer to feed us, come in and feed the meals for people. It was just a great thing for people that are going through this. If you're stuck in a hospital and that's an opportunity for you, take advantage of it because... It's good. That's what it's there for. Anyway. I've always heard good stuff about that. Yeah. So we're living there, and we decided since we're stuck here in the city, and let's try to do something good. So I talked about it with my family, and while I was there, I was going to do my best to get my black belt um, and work on opening the gym. And so I was at McCune's every week working with him um, for my own <coughs> self and then working with Andrew and our other partner, Joe, on opening our gym. And um, so throughout that year – we were hitting jujitsu as much as we could, and um, so are you telling me that you uh, became a black belt and opened a jujitsu gym while your kid was being treated for cancer? Yeah, yeah, while we were fighting for cancer, becomes the glue then, huh? It was it was an interesting time of our life. We, would, you know, he got to do the make a wish because his cancer was terminal. So my wife was eight months pregnant, walking around BlizzCon. That's what he wanted to do. Walking around what? BlizzCon. Uh, you know World of Warcraft? You look like you should know World of Warcraft. Bro, I don't even know how he's to a take whole, that. This is like a specific class. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like human fighter dwarf build. So my son's game was um, Overwatch, um, which Andrew knows quite a bit about. I still play it. Yeah. And um, my son would play a lot of Overwatch, which is a, like a shooter game, um, but like comic booky, really fun game. And he really loved it. And so he chose to go out to BlizzCon and meet the people that created Overwatch. And Fucking sweet. It was really, really sweet. I don't know what most of those words even mean, but the, uh, understanding what you're saying is well, fucking sweet. Shout out to Blizzard because they built a memorial to Grey in the game of Overwatch and it's still there. Yeah. That's awesome. Like there's an object in a certain map that you, that you can go see that is basically a memorial for Grey and it's fucking still it's, there. I it, go see it regularly. It's his name. And they... um. It's pretty cool. It was amazing that they did that for him, and he didn't get to see it. Um, but it was amazing that they did that for him. And um, he, uh, uh, it was a big part of his life. And so for for them to reach out and be the amazing people that they were to give him that experience, and then to incorporate him into the game. There's some lore on the internet over it. They didn't really tell anybody. Yeah. yeah. So people were. You could go online. Then people made YouTube videos about it. Like, what is this? It's and, even better. And it's like, I know he knows. There's a few yeah. people that know, but it's just seven other people now know because right. How many? People Got it. <laughs> to me, Got that it. was even more impressive that they just did it in memoriam. Yeah, yeah. They didn't seek any recognition for it. Sure. And they didn't even try to dispel any of this chatter. Yeah, they just let, left let it, it be. Let it go and That's be and, impressive. Yeah. It's a big corporation. Yeah. Sure. So my um, brown belt. Son is doing good, and um, we were doing lots of fun stuff, trying to have as much fun as we could. Me working towards my black belt was a part of that, fitting in the stuff for him. Um, well, let me rephrase that, fitting in my black belt while doing all the stuff for him. <laughs> um, lots of amazing things. And um, so there was this time that it's just this horrible catch-22. It's horrible. Like We're doing things as a family that you, we probably wouldn't have that opportunity to do, this closeness, this living together, this fighting for something, this intense passion for this individual knowing that it's just probably not gonna last right right and um 
So leading up to my black belt test, it was planned. It was in the works. And all of a sudden we go in for a regular MRI and he's got a tumor. And um, the doctor warned us that this was probably going to be a tumble of tumor after tumor after tumor. That's kind of what happens. There can be these gaps, but then when they come back like that, they don't come back lightly. Yeah. Um, and so, um, he had another, uh, and I forget the order, but he had two more tumors and I can't remember if this was the last one or the one before the last, but he had to have it removed, um, three days before my black belt test. And so we had this talk of, do I cancel it or do I go do it? And he was a big part of that. And, um, I knew what his answer was going to be, but I didn't want to take that for granted. Um, and so we decided as a family that so long as that the surgery went just as smooth as possible, um, we would do it. Um, and so his surgery went really well and he was out of it, you know, three days after brain surgery, you still have a tube hanging out of your head. Mm -hmm. Um, but we decided to do it. And so I went and I tested while my son was fighting for his life in the hospital. I went and did my black belt test and I got to, I felt fine. I did really well. And at McCune does tests. So you go and you get your butt kicked for a while and mm. show everybody what you've been working on and how you earned it. Um, and then I got to go back and tie my belt on in front of my son and celebrate a little bit. And then it's fucking sweet. It was cool. He came out of it, you know, a few weeks later and then it clicks in for him a little bit more. you know, three days after brain surgery, you're not really yeah, yeah, yeah. there. Um, but yeah, I got to do that experience with him and he got to see me as a black belt and it was, that's my journey to black belt right there. Right. Was the test that day something of a emotional or psychological escape for a little bit or was it, I'm still over here, but I'm just here doing this test here? Like we all know, like jujitsu is that, right? Yeah. I'm in there. So when I'm on, I mean, we, I think it was like over hour and a half of straight rolling. Yeah. Um, and I don't take jujitsu lightly. I think that it's important that you put in the work and be good. Like mm -hmm. your goal for jujitsu shouldn't be to um, get a belt. It should be to get good at jujitsu. The belts come with that, right? And so my goal was I wanted to show off my jujitsu, so I was ready to take my test. And when I got there, you know, these guys are trying to make me work for it. So you have to go in there. If you're distracted, it's going to be difficult. So yeah, it was that escape. I'm doing jujitsu, but the second you have a moment to think about what's going on, the problem is, is these things are horrible. If you think about it, you're going to lose it. And so, especially when that's happening. So you get decent at trying to carp carp compartmentalize. They're very good. Yeah, yeah. I actually succeeded in saying that the other day. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I mean, I guess I ask cause you know, when people talk about that kind of shit, they're talking about how they fucking hate their stressful commute to work. Mm -hmm. So they get to go do jitsu and, and not think about that shit. Mm -hmm. And then you realize that there's levels to real life too. And yeah. I was just kind of curious if it's the same in that scenario. Yeah. I, 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 I try not to use this as an example, but I have people at the gym that like, you know, tell me why they can't make it to the gym. And it's yeah. like, I hear you, but there's other people that are going through a lot of stuff. And if it's important to you, you can make it work. So, you know, I'm, I'm sorry your <coughs> fucking litter box is full, but other people made sure they were getting there when there was some real stuff going on. Sure. And I try not to throw that in people's. Well, yeah, yeah. But, but it, it's, it's, it's like it's a little concept. bit of a check that a lot of us need a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Just that reminder of, or show up, Yeah. you know. Yeah. What are you going to think of yourself 10 years from now because of your choice you made right. today? That kind of thing. Yeah. Jiu-Jitsu is going to help you and you can use it or you can make excuses. You know, I use it. I'm kind of 50-50. Yeah. I feel it. <laughs> um, so to wrap up the, the story, because I, I tend to leave people hanging and then you get the messages. Um, um, when we went back in for a, uh, another MRI and he got <coughs> caught with another... Um, tumor and um the uh i never i don't know if this is right or wrong i never told him that what he had was going to kill him um what do you want to know i don't know i wanted him to be a kid so I thought 
the more he doesn't have to think about that he's going to die, the better. But when we were in the hospital and um, he knew that the tumor will kill him. So he knew, but we never talked about it. And he decided that he didn't want to have another surgery. I'll never forget it. Because him. That's what he said to me. Was that he was done. And he wanted to go home. And um, so uh, that's when we just decided that we weren't going to have any more operations. And we were going to live life as much as we could. And, and just do our best. And he was taking chemotherapy still and um, doing everything we could. We just weren't going to do another operation. And um, he said that the doctors asked him, well, if you wanted to do something, what, what, what do you want to do? And um, at the time, we were watching uh, Rogan a lot. And um, we were watching a show with Steve Ranella, you know, at it all. Uh, Meat Eater. Meat Eater yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, we were watching that a lot. And um, he said, I want to go hunting with my dad. And um, I'd never been hunting in my life. <laughs> uh, so they got us up with a program. And um, it was just interesting the way this shit comes full circle. Um, May 1st-ish, we went out hunting in Texas. And he got out, he wanted to go after an axis deer. We were kind of cheating a little bit. Uh, axis, if you listen to Brogan, they go to Hawaii for that, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. So put that out there uh, but it was texas <laughs> yeah. so we went to texas and we went on a hunting trip and um uh great great family they had some property out there and they helped us do the trip and um i noticed it there he started getting kind of stumbly anyway but he got an access deer he shot a deer and it was amazing and just fucking sweet it was just crazy he got a deer and he we um gutted it and did the whole process and the guys helped us do it. And then the, the, the landowner didn't want to wait for the foundation that, that set this up. So he paid to have the mount done. Um, he paid to have it processed and sent shipped to us home. And so Gray started going downhill from there. He started becoming light footed and um, like wobbly falling over. He started changing who he was. He wasn't himself anymore and he had to use a wheelchair, but mm -hmm. We have footage of him with the meat and he got to see the deer head and um the, the because he didn't want to go to the hospital we um um had him at home and so we did hospice there and um anyway so we got to do that one last thing and then he slowly started you know it's this crazy thing of watching this little kid become an old man and it's a really sad thing to think about but he did go through that cycle, you know, of being a kid. He just only made it so far, right? Um, and he got sick, and on my birthday, um, 2019, um, he passed away in his bed. And um, his hospice nurse said something that helped, and I <clears throat> said this recently as well, that he said, now we share that day. And... <laughs> Little things, but it helps me on that day. For sure. Um, something I haven't shared really with many people, so I'll take the opportunity, if you don't mind. Uh, we didn't want to mess with the stupid funeral system. Uh, the thousands of dollars to bury somebody, and I couldn't imagine burying my kid or, or burning him up and, and keeping him on the shelf. I, I didn't know what to do, so I reached out to my mom and, and asked her to help me and um they have a farm up north, and um, we arranged to have them buried on my mom's farm. And so uh, my mom did everything. She arranged it all. So the day he passed away, we, we cleaned him and hugged him and put him in a casket and drove him there. And I um, buried him myself on my mom's farm. And um, that's where he is. That's actually great. I mean for what it is yeah like, I, I like that version of that you know seems like that's the way you should do it you know i didn't i couldn't think of anything else to do right. with this kid who's just amazing and had to go and there's nothing anybody could do to stop it and so what do you do and so we we put him in a place where my mom takes care of him every day and i can 
go there when I want to, and it's a hard, hard thing to stand in front of your yeah. kid's grave. Well, but I guess I feel like uh, analogy-wise or metaphor-wise, like just like the birthday thing, like it's on our land, part of the family still yeah. sort of thing, versus like, you know, off of Highway 61, there's a cemetery. I kind of, I can appreciate the sentiment of it. I guess. Yeah, all of it. So I mean, That's how people used to do it. I guess that's oh, what yeah. I mean too. It's like a throwback. Like, well, part of the family still just, you know. You look, you look into it. Like, what your options are. It's a horrible thing to have to look into, and, and <clears throat> there's this whole industry wrapped around it. And so to be able to where it worked out, where we could sidestep that horrible aspect of it. And I'm certain some people deal with that, and it goes just fine. And to do something that, like you're pointing out, felt right. Mm. It made something just tragic have at least some kind of i don't know it's like less clinical tied up bow at the end of it something that felt like okay at least it went something worked out at the risk of taking a hard (laughs) sidestep semi sidestep do you ever get that fucking ipad back oh right that was you guys right yeah yeah no no it's gone forever and it was I think that, that, that when was when did that happen? When did the, so that was uh, a couple year or twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah, that was twenty nineteen. Yeah, because yeah, it was like right after I sort of started jujitsu, got yeah. connected to the community, and I remember sharing the post and oh, having yeah. other people Thank share you. the post. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know who the fuck this is, but this sounds terrible. Fucking. It was the video would would have been so you you don't think I'm bad at this at taking pictures like mm-hmm. and now running the business. I have to like figure out how to do that. <laughs> I'm so bad at it, mm-hmm. so I didn't have like. And I just film all my kids. I always think it's here. But they're playing with this iPad, and this is video of this kid where he's at his, like, height of who he was before he was this kid with cancer, right? And, like, as soon as he turned into this kid, I'll never forget the day when I had to tell me I had a tumor, and it just all of a sudden now you're in this fight and you're different. Whereas then when he was playing with that iPad, he was mm. just gray, right? And so knowing that I had that was, like, really like important to me and then thinking that it's in the gym that you think it's safe i didn't think to back it up or do any of that now i do it all the time but yeah, yeah. and so for that to just get taken it was like man i try not to think about it too much because well, that yeah. it would have been very nice to have for his sisters his the kids remember but my wife was pregnant so this one his one sister doesn't never got to really meet him and so having that kind of footage would have been awesome but no i, I never got it back fuckers yeah happens to sum up my jujitsu towards the end of my career or my brown belt career to black belt is highly wrapped around this intense crazy thing i had going on and i try my best now to put it where it belongs which is personal with me and my son and i talk about it sometimes when it gets brought up in cases like this but for the most part i focus my jujitsu on getting better at jujitsu because getting your black belt is not the end of the road it's the you know, not to be too cliche, but it's can be a beginning of sorts. Mm-hmm. That's cliche as fuck. It is, but it's it? also true. It's very true. Enough guys have said it where I'm like, oh, this must be. I true. mean, like, now to get back to the jujitsu and off of some of this sad stuff is that um, my jujitsu is pretty sad. Bro. There you go. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important that we that as a black belt, my goal, and especially if I'm running the gym, is not to, um, you know pad you through this like my belt system is a is a tool to get you better at jiu-jitsu it's not a tool to make you feel good that you've been paying memberships for two years or three years your jiu-jitsu needs to rep your belt needs to represent your jiu-jitsu and so that's my goal and I, I think that that i need to hold myself to that same standard the second i got my black belt i didn't go oh yeah i win i went and hit up joao again and said hey i'm living in your area i want to train more can i train at your gym as well and you know Jao was amazing and he's like absolutely come in train for sure um and so i started training harder once i got my black belt because i felt this weight of not only wanting to be better but wanting to represent what i'm wearing and you can't just phone that in you got to get on the mats and take care of it jiu-jitsu for real Hmm. i'd like to add something to what he he was saying um because he's talking about hard shit but he's also being really humble um Mm-hmm. To watch this dude go through what he went through and still be such an amazing partner and an amazing father to all of his kids and to be such a good coach. Like, we love our people. 
but it comes from his leadership. He cares about everybody all the time, and a lot of those people had no idea he was even going through that. And I tell my people, especially all the time, like when we were at MKG as brown belts together, <clears throat> there was like a little bit of a rivalry, like just because we were younger and less experienced. I always had mad respect for him, but when I watched him test going through what he went through, I started calling him coach on that day. He's younger than me. He's been doing jiu-jitsu less time, but his jiu-jitsu is better. But my respect for him as a person grew immensely during that process. Like we're really close as business partners. We're really close as jujitsu partners, but I got mad respect for this dude and he's being humble. Like he did an amazing job leading a new school under circumstances that I don't wish on anybody. I'm a father. I have no idea what he's actually been through, but I have fucking mad respect. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, I'm listening to the brown belt to black belt phase and that all that chunk of the story, just thinking to my head that me and probably most of us would just be like, well, fuck all this. <laughs> fuck that thing. Fuck yeah. this thing. And, and you know, yeah, and what I'm saying is losing all these other details. Not like, only yeah. did he not fuck it off, yeah. but he led with sure. dignity and grace and compassion and has been positively affecting lives through that entire process. And it's it impressed the fuck out of me. Yeah. Even without the beard. Even without the beard. <laughs> I mean, there's some things you just got to get real with. Yeah. He, like, when we roll, it fucks me up. So I can't even be like, man, he doesn't have a beard. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, we're trying to get better at jujitsu. Yeah. So yeah. I have to put all those personal weirdnesses aside and just recognize that jujitsu is better. Yeah. What do you guys like? What's your game? Jujitsu? Yeah. Ooh, I don't know. I'm little. So. Um, Mount? Yeah. yeah. Side control. Uh, no, I don't know. I, I've, I've tried to be as well-rounded as I can. I understand that being on top is best, but I'm little and I get put on my butt a lot. So I'm very comfortable there. Um, I also will leg lock you if you roll with me a lot yeah. until you can adequately defend yourself. Yeah. It's not even real jujitsu. Well, some people think that. <laughs> they're, then they're tapping to a leg lock. And I'm like, or, they're, or they're not tapping a, to a leg lock. Oh, yeah, there's and that. And they're not training for a while. Yeah. So I do a lot of uh, bottom stuff and leg locks. Yeah. And you do a lot of bottom stuff? Is that what you said? Oh, yeah. Oh, thank you. Yep. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just a nickname, Top. Yeah. Topper does bottom stuff. Andrew's really framey. He's got lots of frames. Yep. He's always usually on top. and that carpentry game yeah my dad's a carpenter yeah um yeah i like i have a much less successful guard and i don't even i just sweep from guard but i like top i like smashing motherfuckers and getting a kimura control and making them just feel like the end is just coming no matter what they do it, it, most of what i've learned about you here makes sense as i look at you like the Renaissance festival thing and the metalwork thing, mm -hmm. like you, fancy your, Andy. Your brand matches what I've now learned about you. That's well, which, I mean, which means so that he's the scarier one because because of the unassuming, relaxed nature. Yeah, no, he's scary <laughs> as fuck. Terrifying. Um, I mean, so if you're doing jujitsu right, you should be able to approach finding who you really are and being comfortable with that. Ooh, and part of what I didn't get to in my story was I was super bullied as a kid like super bullied. So I had a lot of shame. You got pushed around because he had rent, rusty I mean, fenders on Every time on there's a new or? kid in our kid's class, the first thing they say is, are you an elf? That is fucked up ears, right? Oh, I didn't notice. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I just, I dealt with a lot of self-esteem issues. And when I was starting jujitsu, it just gave me this comfortability with myself to start really feeling like, I can be myself. In fact, me and Professor Gina Franson have this thing where she's always like, are you feeling yourself? And usually I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling myself. But I wouldn't be comfortable doing that without the framework inside of me that jujitsu built of just feeling comfortable in just about any situation you could throw me in. Hmm. And my greatest compliment I've ever gotten was from my kid last year at high school and we were just making dinner one night and he looks at me and he's like, Dad, I think out of all the people I ever met, you would have the best chance of surviving being dropped into any action sequence in cinematic history. And I'm like, in the pan. And I'm just looking at him like, oh, you get me. <laughs> <laughs> my kid really gets me. That's my skill set. 
I've been trying to get on the zombie survivor squad like my whole life. Now I'm trying to think of a movie. And, a, and an action sequence? Yeah. Like oh, that'd be a fun game. Poppy into Last Action Hero or something. And we could play a drinking game around that. Last Action Hero? <laughs> Dude, Kindergarten Cop. Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> Chronicles of Riddick. He's, learning, he's, learning, a little, he's learning a little bit about you here, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do. Yeah, we get true. to know each other. Well, I want to point out, I like that we're in this environment where he talks about how he was bullied as a youth, and we all start bullying him. Like, that's kind of fun. You're like, oh shit, he was on the list? I didn't know. It's an important thing that I talk about in my self defense class all the time. Is like, mm-hmm. the reason I'm empowered is because of jujitsu. The reason I'm safe in most situations is because of jujitsu. Right. And I've got other martial arts as well, but the jujitsu is the core. And I tell people who come into the gym and who you can tell they don't feel comfortable. Like, this could change you. Because that's, that's not my nature. I was, I, my, my family has a history of anxiety. Like, I was a very anxious, nervous kid, and I was always worried about being accepted, and jiu-jitsu has given me the internal framework to not give a fuck. I just want to love myself, and if I love myself, then I can be that for everybody else, and that is, that is from jiu-jitsu. I'm, I'm every day grateful for that. Oh, he's a highlight clip machine, bro. He is. I love, is. It. I love it. This is why he's the, the voice for TCI. Yeah, you said you, you MC it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that's an interesting story for me and for TCI. Steve, who we mentioned, who started TCI, came to me and was like, what would you think about emceeing? And I was like, stop fishing for a stripe, bro. I got a face yeah. for radio. <laughs> he did get the stripe, by the way. And he, <laughs> he, he's like, no, man, your passion is natural. Your passion for jujitsu, your passion for mental health issues, your passion for Weedify. It comes across when you're being yourself. And if you could go up there and be yourself, that would really be like the vibe we're going for. You're not trying to be funny and trying to make fucking jokes. You're like, this is serious. Like fun, but also serious. And the feedback so far has been like that that's, that's working. Good. So yeah, fucking highlight reel. Mm-hmm. Just because of the charisma. Right, but that's from jujitsu too. It's just me being yeah, comfortable yeah. with myself. I right. can stand up in front of a bunch of people and read stuff off a card good because I'm comfortable. Well, hmm? no good oh. and gooder next time. Gooder, always mm. trying to get gooder. Yeah. TJ, gonna get up and talk again? Am I gonna MC again? Well, no, is, is TJ getting... Oh, it's TJ. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that part. Um, we call him Todd. Absolutely. Um, Do you? TJ okay. Kreutzer, the Weedify national rep and I think vice president of the board, if I recall. He um, might even be fancier than that now. Um, well, and he's doing what the fuck? amazing things for Weedify. Um, so we will absolutely have a veteran testimonial. That's kind of a part of our partnership with Weedify. He'll be, so I don't know if he'll be the yes. only one from Weedify talking, but we have a specific moment where he is going to talk related to something that's going to happen in the event. Cool. That's incredibly vague language. Stay tuned. Got a yes. tease. Can't give it all up. <laughs> I was going to give it up, like literally when he said it. Do like, it. Vaguely. Don't do it. I won't. Don't do it. Did, uh... Did TJ by any chance apply to compete? <laughs> he did not. He did not. Huh. Mm-mm. Put a little pressure on him. It's a, a wise choice. I love you, TJ. <laughs> <laughs> what else we got, boys? Anything? Call anybody out? Yeah, let's drop some names on people you've coached over the years. Mm. I don't know. You don't know? Well, I do. I don't like. I don't know if I'm supposed to be insulting or like I'm supposed to take credit for their jujitsu or what am I doing? Oh, I like all of that. I like everything you just said. Yes, all of that, <laughs> all of the above. Who who do I know from from Akagi other than you boys? Mm. Like who who you got guys competing? Not in the last couple of years. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, that's fair. Fair fucking. Answer, and I actually. mean, we're growing up as a school. Yeah, so yeah. We're just promoted our first brown belts 
that we had from day one. Oh, sweet. Which is actually a really dope thing. Yeah. That's really yeah. awesome. Um, and they're, they're OG members, like that first, the yep. first to sign up type of thing. We've That's got awesome. Some brown belts with us that have transitioned. Yeah. In Actually, fact, one of them is yeah. his first coach. Yeah, that blue belt that was the first one there, I promoted him to brown belt um, right before the pandemic. So he took breaks to do other martial arts. Um, and um, so I kind of like skyrocketed past because I didn't. And so now he's one of my members, and someday I'll probably give him a black belt if he sticks with it. He's kind of old. Sorry, Ryan. He's kind of what? Old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that seems to be a prerequisite to being a black belt. Oh, for well, some of us, about like seventy percent, you know, there's gray Suppose. in the beard and wrinkles, and it takes so. a long ass time. For me. Especially Marcus, if you start as an adult, Marcus yeah, yeah. Bador actually stuck around for our brown belt test. He was there for the open mat, and he stuck around. He's one of the he's one of the young ones. That's a name drop. I was there one of his go. first coaches. Oh yeah, he was. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Oh really? Fuck that guy. <laughs> you like, like Marcus? When no. you roll with no. him, I don't roll with him. <laughs> oh no. I mean, I did once. I mean, it was <laughs> terrible. <I'm> <laughs> that's just not the word you would use. It's not rolling. No, 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 no. Oh, I got. He was I, drilling on me. I got a. I got a name for you. I was. Um, I was one of Chris Clavetter's first coaches. Oh, you were. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. Hey, he wouldn't be a purple too. belt if he was still under me. Just saying. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> What's that? You're not sorry. I'm funny. <laughs> He'll laugh. He'll laugh. Yeah. Which but, which gym was that? Because Chris, I was just with him the other night. He rattled off like a dozen gyms yeah. that he's. Chris is like a globe trotter. Right. Next level combat. So, yeah, so he was at next yeah. level combat, and then he went when uh, Joao and Zay came. He kind of traveled their direction, and then now he's, I don't know where Hudson. H- Hudson, yeah. 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 Saint Croix, or what the hell's the name of the? He's at Alliance out there, right? Alliance, yeah. Yep. Yeah, with uh, Brian Olson. Yep. Brian's a great guy. Chris, on the other hand, he's all right. He's I voted for him for mayor because I live in Burnsville. When he was running for mayor, I voted for him. I took photographic evidence. Nice. He didn't win. No, he didn't. Some old lady beat him. No, no, she's been in it like 24 yeah. years out there. I, I, lived, I lived in Burnsville briefly, yeah. and I was like, you're not going to win, but I'll buy a T-shirt. Bro. There you go. You bought a T-shirt? Yeah. I let him stick signs in my yard. Yeah, why not? That was cool. They I didn't wear the T-shirt till he lost, but... Because I wanted to be ironic. Ooh, that's pretty good. I still have the signs just in case I ever need them again. Yeah. Stick them in the front of a car. Who knows? Well, no. <clears throat> of course not. We see him on a Sunday open mat once in a while. Yeah. His daughter's killing it in wrestling. That's fun to watch. Nat yeah. is one of my regular guests on this program. Because okay. she's like an idol of mine. Well, I'll drop her name too. She was also one of my first students. You were one of her first coaches, too? Sure. Well, because remember, yeah. Yeah. when I went over there, like I said, I was that was my first time running a program. Yeah, yeah. So Susie as well. Mm-hmm. Just cool family. Yeah. Favorites of mine. Long-time yeah. Uh, yeah. friends of mine, actually. Pre-jiu-jitsu? Huh? Pre-jiu-jitsu? Yeah, Chris and I know each other from strongman competitions back in the day. What did he do? Like hold your water or... <laughs> he couldn't hold my water. Oh, okay. Keep you light. Keep the atmosphere light. He uh this is a weight class sport, strongman. So there's like a 175, there's a 200, you know. You see strongman on TV, it's technically heavyweight worlds. Okay. Or absolute. Worlds. Okay. How about that? Cool. There's really no heavyweight. Sure. Yeah. You go down to like 231 and that's uh middleweight. <laughs> so but yeah, especially at the amateur level, you know, there, there's it, it would look like a jujitsu tournament. There's so you're like carrying the rocks around and yeah, all that shit. You're doing all that. Yeah, oh, that's, that's, crazy. that's where he and I caber toss. Oh. That's Highland Games. Oh, that actually reminds me of the trophy thing. My second Highland Games, first Highland Games. There's like four like levels, you know. There's like mm-hmm. the pro division and the good ams and the medium ams and the new guys, right? And I was competing in the B's or whatever, whatever the hell it is. There's a whole scale, and I won. And that's like your caber toss and your weight throw and there's the hay bale looking thing with the pitchfork and all that stuff. And I got a shield, which was sweet looking, had a whole fancy Gaelic insignia thing happening on it. Second place and third place each got swords. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like an insurrection kind of thing. Like, give me the shield and give them the weapons. <laughs> right. Yeah. Was it at the Minnesota Renaissance Festival? It was not that one. This one was out in Michigan, okay. way over by Detroit. Uh, and that one is mostly like the higher level guys. You wouldn't catch it's funny about the swords because that's one of the reasons why we want to use real blacksmiths for TCI. So uh-huh. it's 
well-made shit. Yeah, it's like a real actual. I, I had numerous Naga swords back in the day <laughs> when like you won a sword for winning a division. Yeah. I was chasing a bat around my house one day <laughs> and I swung at the bat and the tang broke and this blade went through my living room and stuck in my couch. And I'm like, that's some shit pot metal right there. <laughs> Fuck. I paid hundred bucks to win a division and give me a shitty sword that's just gonna break. What if it was what if I was trying to defend myself with that thing? We got a shirt. Nah, I probably got a t shirt too, right? Yeah. So there's value. There was value there. Mm-hmm. You Sometimes good, you never want to use it. We got a good story out of it. <laughs> it is a good story. Mm-hmm. Because no one was sitting on the couch. Then, I mean, one would argue that if somebody was, you've got a whole another level of story. Doesn't make the story bad. <laughs> <laughs> Makes the story incomplete. <laughs> also, I got to be honest. I bet trophy manufacturers or whatever are not like, okay, if somebody's hunting bats mm-hmm. with this. Yeah. Is this going to hold up? And that's how TCI is going to set itself apart because yeah. we do think about that. But we didn't tell you about our bat tests that we do for our trophies. So <laughs> they want to get peed on us. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> All right, boys. I think we did good here. Okay. You agree? Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, it was fun.